Believers Church. So welcome to our online Easter celebration. We are so glad to be with you today. We're glad to be with our girls. We've invited them to join us on set today. So nothing greater in our life than resurrection. Nothing greater than knowing that we serve a Jesus who has promised us that if we believe in him, who he called himself the resurrection and the life, that we would experience such goodness here on this planet. And I know right now that, that some of us are struggling. We're in a time that doesn't feel very victorious, but that is the promise of today. So that's what I want you to hold on to. This was a very dark weekend in the life of the disciples, a very dark weekend in the things that they had hoped for, the things that they had believed, even the things that they had tried to wrap their mind around as being part of God's plan for their life. And I know that many of you at home are sitting in a season um, of just maybe something that's really uncomfortable. Um, we're all uncomfortable with this lockdown. We're uncomfortable with the things that are going on across the globe concerning corona and concerning the virus. And um, some of us have lost our jobs. There are some financial hardships. There are some physical hardships. And the promise that we have is that at the end of the day, believing in Jesus, there is hope. There's hope for a better day. There's hope that even in the middle of death, victory is found. And um, that's why I love Easter Sunday. And today is going to be an awesome day, I promise you. So I want you to wrap your mind around the fact that whatever is going on in your life, that today is a day of victory. It's a day to set your sights towards the truth of who Jesus is and to, to the truth of, of the things that he's promised us. So his promises were real. They weren't um, just said in vain. They weren't just said in void. They weren't just said so that we could celebrate um, today with candy and colored eggs, as I know that we're all going to do in a little bit, but they were, they were genuinely spoken so that we could grab hold of truth so that we could be carried through moments like today. So I'm believing that across this nation, across the globe, that today will be a day of victory, that our hearts will be set, that our minds will be set, and that we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has good things in store for us. So I don't know how it's going to work, I don't know how to wrap my mind around it, but I do know that his word is true and that his promises are true. And I do know that on that day, so many years ago, he did rise from the dead. Amen. So, and um, that's going to be what we're going to grab hold of for ourselves and for our life. So we're going to jump right into our Bible reading today. So if you'll go ahead, wherever you are sitting at home or um, in your office or wherever you might be today, um, we are in Mark 16, which is a great chapter. Um, it's a great story. We've been in the book of Mark now for several months at Believers, and um, I, I don't think it's ironic that here's where we end up on Easter Sunday. It's a good chapter. So grab your Bibles. Let's read Mark 16 the resurrection. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus's body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. 
The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Then they briefly reported all this to Peter and his companions. Afterwards, Jesus himself sent them out from the east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. They rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. Still later, he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. And he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. And it's so good. Amen. So good. I just want to take a moment and talk to you from what uh, Jesus put on my heart for this day on Easter. Uh, I've been kind of desperate every week of, God, I want you to tell me something to say that is important, you know, that's not just uh, preaching a sermon. Uh, you know, I, I get on YouTube and I think as I'm, you know, listening to all the other live streams and the live feeds, I'm like, man, there's so many good preachers in the world that I want to say something that's meaningful to people. And as I was on my prayer walk this week and I was just praying, you know, Lord, show me something to that's meaningful for all of us, not just our family, but to everybody that's part of our believers, extended family. Something just rose in my heart. And I wanted to, I asked the girls, you know, I said, would you guys, girls, just come and be part of what we're doing in a different way? Like just celebrate Easter together, our family with your family. And uh, something God put in my heart that I'm going to ask all of them in a minute to just share with you the reality of Jesus Christ. And as I was praying about it, and what Robin just read was amazing to me in this, that we have this assumption that all of the disciples were so excited about Resurrection Sunday. I mean, we look back, and when we look back, we have 2020 vision, like, yeah, it's Easter Sunday, this is so awesome. But the reality of that, the reality of this moment of time is not one of them believed that Jesus Christ was alive. Like these guys walked with him three years. They heard the miracles. They were part of the kids being raised from the dead, the blind people, the lepers, uh, the miracles of loaves and fish, Peter walking on water. And then Easter Sunday morning, the reality is not one of them had enough faith to believe that what Jesus right. said was true. 
Uh, that's astounding that you could follow Jesus for three years and he even tell you, I mean, he's going to tell him, he's going to say, fellas, in three days, I'm going to rise up from the grave. And they heard it. He would even explain it to them. Like, this is what I've come to do. And then what we celebrate is Easter Sunday morning. Come on, Jesus is alive. They're, They're at home, have zero expectation of his resurrection. Followed him, believed in him, uh, you know, Peter and all of them, we, we will go with you to the grave. We're in this thing to the end. But the end result of their faith is, I'm just going to stay home, no expectation. Right. The strange part of the story that Robin just read, nobody had any expectation that Jesus would be alive. Even the women who were coming to the tomb were coming to just anoint his right. body. They weren't coming to see a resurrected Jesus. They were coming just to take the oil, anoint his dead body, and then they're blown away. And Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and says, go back and tell my disciples that I'm alive. Mm -hmm. So she does. She runs back. She goes, fellas, he's alive. Jesus is alive. They don't even believe her. They're like, you're ludicrous. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, in that culture, they didn't even believe in a court of law that a woman was valid at all for witnessing to anything. So to have a woman witness the resurrection and be the first person to preach the gospel was mind-blowing anyway, and they didn't believe her. And so Jesus appears to two more followers, and he says, hey, go tell my guys that I'm alive. And so they, they go and say, Jesus is alive, and they still don't believe. So this is two people. I don't know what they're thinking. They're probably thinking they're seeing apparitions. Maybe they saw a ghost. Maybe they're so distraught that it's some mental you know, thing, but definitely not even believing Jesus is alive with two uh, very valid testimonies. Mary Magdalene, I've seen him. He told me to come tell you. Then the other two followers, he's alive. So finally, Jesus himself shows up and says, hey, fellas, I'm alive. And then I love what it said. I, I underlined it in my Bible. He said he rebuked them, verse 14, of their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe that those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. That's a powerful thought that Jesus' first comments to his followers is you're just a bunch of stubborn people. You don't even believe. And don't you know in their brain, they're probably thinking, what do you mean I don't believe? I followed you for three years. I left my business. I left my family. I, I served people bread on a hillside with a miracle. I was there at your first miracle, turning water into wine. Man, I sold my soul for you. I left my family behind for you. I followed you all over this land, chasing after you and your miracles and everything you were promising people. And now you have the audacity to come back and tell me I don't believe. How could you tell me I don't believe when I was following you from day one all the way to the day they killed you. And Jesus is like, you're just stubborn. You're stubborn. It's all you are is because you just refuse to believe. And and then this is the question, then believe what? It's not that they didn't believe he was Jesus. They, They knew he was Jesus. It's not that they didn't believe that he couldn't do miracles. It's that they just could not bring their religious self to believe in the resurrection. It was so far beyond their expectation. And yet their whole life had been lived with these three years with an expectation that Jesus is going to come and set up a kingdom. And when it turned upside down, 
they just couldn't bring themselves to believe he's alive. And I was pondering, like, how, how does that even make sense? Like, three years walking with him, and then when he tells you what he's going to do, you still don't believe it. Then when he does it, you still don't believe it. Then when a person shows up and says it's real, you still don't believe it. Right. Two more show up and you still don't believe it. And he finally shows up and says, man, you're just a stubborn fellow, Mark. You believe in me, but you have unbelief to my resurrection power. Right. And as I was praying for you on my prayer walk this week, that was the scripture that leapt in my heart is that it's so easy to believe in the historical Jesus, his stories. It's easy to believe in the Jesus that died for us on a cross, the red words that are in our Bible. It's so easy to believe and go, yeah, thumb up. I'm a Christian. I believe. I've confessed. I've prayed that prayer. But there's a difference in obviously believing in Jesus and then believing in his resurrection power. There, there, to me, there has to be a big difference. And I follow Jesus, but I, I believe in his resurrection power because right. all these people were followers, but they just couldn't believe mm -hmm. in resurrection power. Now it makes sense of why Paul will say, I just want to know him mm -hmm. and the power of his resurrection because there's something strange there about resurrection power. So as I prayed about it, here's what I want to share with you about a Christian who believes in Jesus versus a Christian who believes in a resurrected Jesus. And, you know, I mean, that's the base of Christianity is we believe he's resurrected. But here's what I think, and I've come to this opinion. There's a lot of people who claim to be a believer. They, they say the creeds, they pray the prayers, they go to the services, they give their money, they do the religious duties, but the resurrected power of Jesus is not uh, demonstrating visibly in their life. So to understand like Mark 16, I want to go back to Matthew and pull a, a text of scripture out that I think will sum the whole thing up for you and make sense of what does it mean to believe in the resurrection? Can I measure it? Is there a way that Mark can look in my life and say the resurrection power of Jesus is real to me? Mm -hmm. And so to understand like how could we answer that, here is the beginning of these guys that walked with Jesus. So three years, here's, here's day one. So end day, Jesus is crucified. They're upset. Their agenda's been blown. They don't believe. But here's day one. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So they do that. They're like, okay, leave my nets, leave my boat. I'm going to follow him. And they follow him three years until he dies. But when he dies, what is the one thing about that prophetic call that ceased in their life is they ceased to, to reach people. They ceased to preach the gospel. As soon as he died, they go back to fishing. In other words, I'll follow and I want him to make me something. I want him to make me famous. I want him to give me a husband. I want him to give me a wife. I want him to give me a job. I want him to heal me of my migraines. I don't mind following Jesus and letting him make me into something, but don't ask me to go reach people. That's a little out there for me. And here's what I want you to think about today. I don't know where your heart is in this, but this is what I've been praying about for several days. A Christian who believes in resurrection will have a passion to reach people. Yes. That's the goal of the gospel. Follow me and I'll make you fish for people. Mm -hmm. And so they come to you know Mark 16 and he's alive. And in his life, they're not fishing for people. 
They've gone back to their own job, back to their own ways. They've gone back to what they're comfortable with. They, they, they needed Jesus to try to make them into something. They don't need Jesus to go win the world. And that's how the chapter ends. The chapter ends with this moment of Jesus saying, now, fellas, go to all the world and preach the gospel. Go to all the world. I'll work with you. I'll be with you. That is the Jesus of the resurrection. The Jesus of the resurrection, when I say I believe in him, turns me into a person that fishes for people. Right. It turns me into a person that witnesses. It mm -hmm. turns me into a person that says, he's alive. Let me tell you how I know he's alive. If you take Mark 16 and work it all the way out through the rest of the Bible, this is what you'll find. Book of Acts. You will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the earth. Then Peter heals a guy at the, at the gate and the guy gets healed. And Peter says in Acts 3 and 4, he said, the guy that you see right now that's well, that has been laid here for all of these years, that guy is a result of the resurrected Jesus. In other words, the moment the disciples chose to believe in the resurrection, the next scenario was good, go reach people. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just a, a weird moment of time that we're living in right now because what it is doing, I've said this every day in the Bible reading videos and things, that this crisis moment reveals our weakness. Uh, anytime we face a crisis, it reveals the weakest link of our faith. And I think in this moment, it's really made me ask the question to myself, okay, I believe in a resurrected Jesus. Here we are at Easter thumb up, man. This is the biggest day. What do we call it? The Super Bowl Sunday. But if I stop at following him and he makes me something, but then I don't fish for people, then I really don't understand the power of resurrection. I got to say, yes, I'm a Christian and I'm a Christian and I want him to bless my wife, bless my children, bless my life, bless my business, help me God. And I stop there. I stop with Jesus just being for me Mm -hmm. then I miss the true power of a resurrected Jesus because for the rest of the New Testament, his resurrection power is so that you, I, all of mm -hmm. us will witness. We will be aggressive. So if you want to know if resurrection power is real to you, just ask yourself, are you really out there witnessing for people? Here's the crazy thing in the book of Acts. They literally beat the stew out of the boys for talking about resurrection. They said, shut up talking about a resurrected Jesus. And Peter said, no, I'm not shutting up. I'm going to keep talking. And they said, well, we're going to beat you. And he said, well, then fine, beat me. I'll count myself worthy to be beaten because I'm going to keep telling, watch people about the resurrection. And I think in this Easter time that where God is taking this thing we call local church, he's taking us to a place to be passionate to win people right. to Jesus Christ. Like in your 50 feet right now, if there are people who don't know Jesus, guess what? It's up to you. It's up to you. We cannot just be selfish Christians. I have Jesus for me and me only. Jesus for me and my family. Jesus for me and my business. When the resurrection power of Jesus is to bring us to a place to hunger for people to be born again, to hunger for the life of Jesus to come. And Jesus said, look, I'm going to give you power to do that. My girls are here today with Robin and I, Michael. You know, we've come together as a family. And I don't say this a lot, but I've told the girls this as, as they've grown up. I said, in my life, in your mom's life, we've chosen to follow Jesus. I don't see any other 
path to go that makes logical sense to me. I studied world religions in my uh, educational training, uh, read different world scriptures, and the end of it was I just genuinely believe that Jesus is who he said he is. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he's divine. I believe he died for the world, and I'm willing to give my life for that. I believe it. And then along come four daughters, and the reality is I want them to believe what I believe. I want them to believe in Jesus. I want them to grow into young women and married and, and raise children and, and my grandchildren serve Jesus. Right. But on the other side of the coin, I try to be smart enough to go, well, statistically, what if they don't? What if one of them decides, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't want anything. And I've told all of them in my, you know, just daddy-daughter talks. I said, I, I'm not forcing you to serve Jesus. I'm not forcing you to follow him. But I will tell you this, to me, he's real. And to Rob and your mom, he's real. And we're going to follow him. And my goal as a father has always been to live my life in such a way that I make my daughters jealous for Jesus. Not that I'm perfect, not that I do everything right, not that I've had failures and mistakes and Robin and I have had our own struggles with life, but at the end of the struggle to find a father that says, you know, I just believe. Now here's the weird thing. The weird thing about this Easter is nobody sitting on these couches has ever seen Jesus. But we believe because somebody told us. And here's the strange thing. From 2,000 years ago, you're maybe sitting on your couch right now at home somewhere. 2,000 years ago, somebody told somebody who told somebody else, who told somebody else, who told somebody else. And for 2,000 years, somebody has been telling somebody, and you finally heard it and you chose to believe. Maybe that somebody was your mom. Maybe that somebody was your grandmom. Maybe that somebody was a preacher on television. But you heard it. And it's the hearing of the gospel from, from someone else that proves the desperation of resurrection. So I asked my girls, I said, would y'all come? And just from your own perspective, like, how do you know Jesus is real? How do you really know? We haven't seen him. I mean, I don't know any of my girls. I've not seen the visible Jesus. I, I've not, I mean, I, I say things like I've felt his power. I've, I've felt that he's touched me. He's given me peace and joy. And, but the physical Jesus, I've not touched. And you said, well, then how can you have such faith then if you've never touched him, if, you, if you've never seen him, but yet you're willing to die for him, you're willing to sell your life to preach about him. And then I just say this, because the power of witnessing is so powerful. Because here's, here's the end of the story of Mark. A group of guys and girls who could not believe at all. They're like, I, I can't believe he could do that. Do you know that every one of them, the moment they grabbed hold of the power of resurrection, every one of them was willing to die for it. Right. Every one of them said, you want to kill me? Kill me. You want to hang me upside down? Do so. You want to boil me alive in water? Do so. You want to chop my head off? Do so. See, that's the reality of Easter. The reality of Easter is, yeah, we get a resurrected Savior, but the reality of Easter is it's supposed to be so real in me that I'm willing to tell other people about it so the story goes on and on and on and on. And so that's what I want you to ponder today. After my daughters, I've just asked them to, you know, we're just going to chat about it for a moment, the life and the reality of Jesus in their life. They grew up in a Christian home. But at the same time, I believe that every person, even growing up in a Christian home, has a moment where you have to decide, is the resurrected Jesus real to me? 
And then if he is, I have to do something about that. I have to begin to let other people know he's real. I have to begin to share his power. And at the end, when we wrap it up, we're going to do communion together. And our family with your family, we're going to partake of communion together. But I would like you, once this is all over, it would bless Robin and I if you would just sit down with your family, your kids, and maybe you would have a conversation around your home of why is Jesus real to you? Mm-hmm. Is he only real because you grew up in the South where everybody goes to church and I was told he's real? But he's, is he real because the resurrected power of Jesus lives in me and I just can't help but tell other people about his goodness? So I'll just open it up with whoever you know wants to chat and we'll chat about this thought. And the thought is you grew up in a Christian home. You, you heard mom and I talk about it and you know, we tried to make Jesus real to you. We tried to make his reality known, even in our failures. You know, I would, yeah. in my failure, I would always try to run back to him and, and find his power in, in times of hardship to reach out to him. And But you girls grew up in it, and it blesses me that you've all chosen him. Uh, you know, especially, you know, Olivia and Sophia, who are older, and, you know, my daughters are in their mid-20s, early 20s now, but they've all chosen to serve Jesus on their own and uh, what a blessing it is. So I'll just open it up and whoever wants to go can share. I'll go. So I think for me, and I always come back to this, but just this thing that Jesus always does what he says he's going to do, no matter what it is, when it is, how it is, his word always proves true. And, you know, growing up in it, we always heard it like, okay, well, this is what Jesus says, so you need to hold on to that. This is what scripture says, you need to hold on to it. And I remember three years ago, specifically, three or four years, just dad having this word for me that all things would be made new. And and in my head, it's this thing that like, okay, well, that means I'm going to have my ducks in a row. This is what it's going to look like. It's going to be A, B, C, D, all things will be made new from everything. And I remember when dad gave me that word, it, it immediately in me, I started striving for it. And I was like, okay, all things made new. And I would fix it and fix it and fix it and fix it and fix it in my head. And it was things that... I just struggle with addictions to porn, addiction to food, boys, lust, like these desires in me that I was trying to fulfill myself because I had this word, all things will be made new. And it was depression and sadness and sickness and like being like, okay, in these moments, like my life is utter chaos. And like, you've said all things will be made new, but I, I'm not seeing any of it. And I remember dad coming to me and he'd be like, well, just hold on to the word. And I would go upstairs and be like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Like, you want me to hold on to this word? Well, it's been six months. And then nine months later, I'd have a good three months and then it'd be utter chaos again, struggling with the same thing over and over and over, trying to fix it myself, trying to fulfill it myself, trying to like do it in this way. Like, okay, I've got this word from God. Now let me like cultivate the word from God, but in my own doing, not letting Jesus do it. And I remember just literally, it it was years of me crying and struggling with addiction, struggling just to let go and let God be who he says he is. And I just remember waking up one day and just going like, holy cow, like, I mean, I'm going to (laughs) cry. Like, you really do, you do it. Like, and you can't, things that I just, sorry, that like I tried to do for years. And I mean, it was years, like not even like two two weeks of me being like, oh, all things will be made do, and then they are, but like years of, I don't want to be addicted to porn. I don't want to be addicted to lust. I don't want to have, sorry, these struggles just that you you battle with deep, not, 
not like surface level, but just deep things that you're holding on to. And, and I mean, just years of it. And I just woke up one day and was like, holy cow, he does it. Like he does it. And like, he just does. And I don't know how he does. And like, it's, it's that thing. Like you have no clue how he does it, but he does it when you can't. And like, so obviously he has to be real. If he'll do things that like you can't even do yourself and he proves himself true and he does what he says he was going to do all along. And like, so for me, that's just always a point I go back to. Like you said, you're going to do it. So you will, whether it's 800 years or I'm never going to see it in this lifetime or it's one day or one hour. Or I gave an offering and then five minutes later, somebody blessed me with more money than I gave. Whatever it is, like he always will prove himself true and always do what he says he's going to so do. Okay, so I'll go next. Um, I, th- I mean, growing up, I grew up around Jesus is obviously real. I saw him work in all of my sisters' lives. I saw him work in my parents' lives. And my moment that I had when I knew that he was real happened just a couple of months ago. Um, for a couple of years, I had just been living in sin and darkness. I kept everything a secret, and I hid it from my parents. I hid it from my sisters. I lied. I just living in a whole bunch of darkness. And whenever I came out of that and I confessed and just I let Jesus in, I experienced the greatest amount of freedom, the greatest amount of peace. And I'm going to try not to cry either. (laughs) And there's no way that it's not God. No other person can give you that feeling besides Jesus and like looking back over the years that I was living in all that darkness there were so many times where I could (laughs) there were so many times I could pinpoint Jesus trying to speak to me and Jesus calling me out of the way that I was living And he was, the whole way, he was just saying, hey, I'm right here, just let me in. And of course, I didn't for a couple of years, but as soon as I did, the freedom and the peace that I felt, I mean, there's no other person who can offer that besides Jesus, and I mean, there's no turning back. Jesus is so real to me, and he was chasing me the whole way, Mm -hmm. and I love him. (laughs) Okay. Um... So probably just specifically, like, with school, it's crazy, and my generation is psychotic. (laughs) But, like, I can just see, like, the broken homes and the people, the, like, the kids that are addicted to drugs and porn and who knows what. And, like, they don't strive for Jesus. And you might think you're weird, like, oh, I'm going to go talk to this person about Jesus. I'm a weirdo now, and you might lose friends. But, like, at least you're not addicted anymore. At least you're not lustful and hurt, and at least you can share it with your family. And even if you just, like, worship, I can't see him, but I can feel him when I worship. I can feel him when I pray. I can hear him talking to me through the Bible, just reading, and all of a sudden, that's my life right now. So, yeah. Um, I know God is real because of the invitation that he has given me 
just to receive his love. Like when I've thought about your question that you texted us literally only two days ago of how to share, it's so hard to land on a moment of when this knowing that God was real came. And there just is not a single moment that I could share because it's been moment after moment after moment after moment of God's love just being poured out on me. And when I think about his love for me and just feeling his unconditional love for me, I'm just invited into a lifestyle of faith. And faith just, you can't put words to faith. You don't know how to describe it. It's just this instinct that I know God placed in every single one of us that becomes awakened through something. Maybe it's a mother, maybe it's a grandmother, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's just the wind. I have no idea. God can move and awaken the seed in each of us however he chooses. And I just think my whole life has been God just awakening me through love to walk in faith. And through faith, because he can give it to me so freely, his love and everything, every good and perfect gift that he has, I can walk with him and I can choose him by grace and grace alone. And through being able to choose him, I get to see him. The Bible says, seek me and you will find me. And I feel like my whole life has just been a testimony of if you seek him, you will find him. He will never come up short. You will never come up empty and you will never lack for one thing if you just step to seek him. And I could go into a thousand different directions of story after story after story of walking in faith and coming out with God just totally proving himself faithful. And it's like no matter how long I walk with the Lord, I know that the only way I'm going to know him is through faith. And it's funny that the disciples walked with him. They saw the miracles, which I have many in my own life, healings, deliverances, total wrecking moments. The disciples had all of that and still at the end of the day, what it took to know Jesus and his resurrection power was faith. So the only thing that just has been on my mind, the only word when I've just, you know, been thinking about what am I going to say? How do I know God? It's just through faith. And I think about all of the fathers and the mothers and the brothers and sisters who have gone before me that walked so faithfully with the Lord, not having a miracle. Maybe they had some, but maybe they didn't have all or not having the total picture just walking in mystery and being okay with that and there you can't put words to why are you okay with that why are you okay with faith and it's just because you you have faith you can't say anything else so just faith I know he's real through faith and I'm so thankful for him I think for me, you know, I have my own testimony, but I think I'm a natural skeptic, so I can look back at my own life and my own experiences, and I can, can I, and I like kind of scratch my head and say, was that God? Was that just me, or was that just coincidence, or was that, was that really God? Um, but I think for me, I know that Jesus is real because I look at people who I trust and I see their stories, and I know that it's not 
coincidence. I know that from looking at their lives and, you know, the power of their testimony that it's not coincidence that my own testimony is real. For example, I see Pastor Gene and June, they're elderly people, you know, still serving God, still preaching the gospel, still going all over the nation, doing all these incredible things for Jesus, still, you know, in love with Jesus in their in their older years. And I and I see that the promises that, that Scripture, you know, uh, t- says that we can have, I see it play out in their lives, and I know that it's it's not just coincidence that I have that in my own life, that it's mm-hmm. really Jesus in my life. So, good. Very good. Love it. Good, good. Um, well, we've been pondering this for a week now or more. Um, you know, for me, I, there there's a part of me that would love to recount the testimonies of, of where God has shown up. Um, you know, and, and some of my children, y'all just shared some of yours, um, and, and those are also part of mine because um, the fact that my children love God and serve God is uh, just an amazing testimony um, to me. And, and, and I could recount all the things that God has done like that. Like I was born to a single mom who God just miraculously or, um, you know, through her faith um, began to change the course of generations even you know, from her past, lines were drawn in the sand. Um, the life and the kingdom of God began to, to manifest in her life and my life, and it just set me on a course for God showing up time and time again. He showed up, he, he showed up then. He showed up in high school. He showed up um, in college. He showed up through the ups and downs of life, and I can recount all those things, but the thing that just always holds me to just God being incredibly real is um, it, it, it's more personal than a circumstance. Um, the Bible says about the things here on this earth that they're very temporal, but there's a part of us that's not temporal. There's a part of us, that eternal part of ourself, that inner part of me. And um, although I'm grateful for all the testimonies and I'm grateful for him coming through time and time again when, when I pray, there's this part of me that... Um, just is so humbled and moved by who he is when I realize those times in my life when when I have almost lost me. So not the things that surround me. Um, Psalms, the the psalmist says it like this when he says that God created us in our inward parts and that he knows us in our inward parts. Um, David writes time and time again about the Holy Spirit searching him and knowing him. And there are times in life that the enemy would try to hit us and, um, I don't know, just cause a loss of a sense of, of me. And there's so much comfort in knowing that in those moments God has found me. In moments when the enemy has come and t- tried to destroy just that inward part in me, that peace, that comfort, that sanity, that... Um, that assurance, because you know it, it's great for a husband to know you, um, to be known by a husband. It's great for kids to know you, for parents to know you. But there's always been this thing with me and God that has held me, this thing that has held me with Him that has moved beyond circumstances, beyond my desires, beyond what I've wanted. And when those when when those foundations begin to break, and I begin to feel like I have just been bested into a thousand pieces and I can't find myself and I can't find my center and I can't um, regain 
just the composure of life, there he is. And, you know, there's that song that we sing that talks about the thousand pieces. And when I thought I lost me, he came and he got me and he put me back together. Um, but that is, that is truly what moves me to know him because there are times in life when nobody else can um, be there for you. There are times in life when maybe the circumstances don't line up like you want them to line up. And for me, the fact that God has held me and that he's found me and that he has continually put me back together um, just overwhelms me with, with just the, you know, just the, the knowing that it's not just me. It's not just the people around me. It's not just my circumstances that all have to fit and be well, but there's just this inward thing that my God has me. Um, he has me and he carries me and, um, it's great. It's really great. I don't share this a lot. It's a story that I kind of keep close to my heart, but, um, when I went to seminary and met Robin in 1989, Gosh, um, I, I had I had one purpose that I wanted to do in my life, and it was be a missionary. Uh, I never thought I would pastor. I never thought I would start a church, plant a church, pastor a church. I had one desire, and that's I wanted to go live on a mission field, and I wanted to tell every human in the world about Jesus. And in my seminary training, uh, my missionary uh, the mission, the class I was in was called Missiology. And my teacher shared a scripture and it was out of Ecclesiastes and it said, and God put eternity in their heart. Mm -hmm. And we had to read a book called Eternity in Their Heart. And I read it and I mean, I sobbed. The, the thinking that in every human on this planet, as Olivia said, God put a seed. Mm -hmm. He put a seed of eternity. And you know, we're like Michael said, I think there's something in a bunch all of us as humans, maybe some more than others, we're a little skeptical about, mm -hmm. did God really put a seed in everybody for eternity? And I love what Olivia said, you know, in weird ways, God knows how to water that seed right. at just the right time, whether it's through Sophia getting a word, all things new, or Victoria Kate, you know, going through a dark time and finding his peace, or Stella, you know, all of our stories, that God has put eternity in our hearts. And the strange thing is maybe through crisis, maybe through dumb choices, maybe through a song, maybe through circumstances, this presence of a living Jesus shows up yeah. Yeah, and, he, and he awakens that seed and that seed comes alive. And I can think of nothing better, you know, looking back over my life because that verse comes from Ecclesiastes 3.11. I know you may not all see my daughters, but they're loaded up with tattoos. Like that's the joke in our family. And they always say, hey, dad, why don't you get a tattoo? And what, what would you get? And uh, you never think I'd cry over a tattoo, right? Uh, and I always tell them, oh, I'm not gonna ever get one. I, I'm good, I'm good. I, I need something. If I get something, I need something, you know, that I you know, be proud of, you know, whatever that may be. But there's always been this scripture, and I don't share it a lot because it's so dear to my heart, but it's Ecclesiastes 3.11, and it says this, and this is how I know the reality of Jesus. Because here's what it says. God makes all things beautiful in his time. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I can say about the reality of Jesus, I've been fearful. Mm -hmm. I've failed. I've been anxious. Uh, rebellious, sad, happy, glad, 
I've made money. I've lost money. I've failed my children. I've blessed my children. But the reality of Jesus is if you give him enough time, he makes all things beautiful. And I can say by staying in the game with him all these years, it is true that the reality of Jesus is he can take the worst of the worst over time and make something beautiful out of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything else in the world that can do that. I don't know anything else that over time can turn something beautiful and create something beautiful except the power of the resurrected Jesus. And that's what I want to leave you with today. These two thoughts, that the resurrected power of Jesus is real to us when he captures that seed. And so as we get ready to prepare for communion, and I want you to do this at home, here's what I want to challenge you with as a father, a husband, with my family to your family, is when this is over, take a moment with your kids or your husband or wife or spouse, or even if you're alone, and just have a moment of rehearsing the reality of Jesus Christ in your life. Mm -hmm. Maybe to your children, ask the question, how do you know he's real? Maybe share your story with your spouse or your children or your grandchildren. This is how I know the reality of Jesus Mm -hmm. because that is what Easter is all about. Resurrection is about us sharing that life with someone else. It's about being a fisher of people. It's about not only being a follower, but a fisher. It's not only about just what I believe about him, but what I can share with other people about him. And that is that he put eternity in the heart. And right now, God has put eternity in your heart. There's a seed in your heart. You know, you may think somebody, oh, they're just so hard. I've prayed for years for them. Hey, don't give up. I've prayed for my husband over and over. Don't give up because God puts eternity in the heart and he will water that seed. He'll send a dream, a movie, a song, You never know how God's going to capture that heart, but he will capture that heart. But you know what it takes? It takes you and myself, my daughters, Michael. It takes all of us willing to water the seed with our own story. So on Easter, Resurrection Sunday, would you be bold enough in the week to come to just tell your story? This is what he means to me. This is what he's done for me because everyone needs to hear it for the story to keep going forward. I'm just going to ask where you are. Let's get ready to take communion. Our family is going to take it with you. And we're going to do it over the power of the living Jesus Christ who is alive today. We celebrate his resurrection. And we as a family tell you, Jesus is alive. Jesus is real. Jesus will answer prayer. Jesus will heal. He will get you out of darkness. He will heal sadness. He will will bring you freedom from depression and anxiety and the things that we struggle with if you'll just give him time to water the seed. Amen. I want you to get the elements ready. We have ours here in the room with us getting ready to partake. I'm going to pray over it. And then as I pray over the elements, I want you to gather with your family as well. And let's believe that Jesus will bless us as we partake together. So Father, in Jesus' name, we all take the bread. We take the juice now. We thank you for an opportunity, Robin and I, with our girls and with our family of believers. Lord, we hold these elements in our hand. And I thank you, God, as the family of believers gather together today on Easter, that our heart is we're thankful. 
that you awakened the seed that was in us. God, through a testimony, through a prayer, through a mom, a dad, a grandparent, through a story, through a crisis, whatever, God, you awakened the seed of resurrection in our life. And now we're believers because of it. Father, I thank you for this moment of time. We bless the communion now. We bless the bread now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 